Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello and welcome to the World Soccer Talk podcast. Can MLS find a way to hit their $300 million per year target for media rights? HBO Max makes a big move. Politicians are considering a big change that may impact European soccer. And we have your questions in the listener mailbag section. On the panel today, we have Kartik Krishnayar and my name is Christopher Harris. So we're recording this on, the, on Friday, uh, Friday morning. I think I think both of us are a little bit tired after watching a whole day of World Cup qualifying on Thursday, starting with uh, AFC in Asia, going into Europe, the UEFA qualifiers, going into CONMEBOL, and then going into CONCACAF. I probably watched, I don't know. I don't know, six or seven games at, at least uh, on Thursday. But what we're going to do is, is actually going to skip through that because um, obviously a lot of you are probably listening to this on the weekend or kind of uh, early of, the, of next week. And you already know what some of the results are from some of these other games happening. There's a lot, lot going on. But Kartik, one of the things I want to jump to is talking about uh, a major story that happened this week in The Athletic. And they're looking at the MLS media rights deal. And this is up for a bid currently. It's supposed to be finalized by the end of uh, March. We're quickly, uh, rapidly approaching that deadline. And um, this would be from 2023 onwards. There was some really revealing information in this story. Um, what, what are some of the things that jumped out uh, at you from this one? Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's it's been kind of an interesting conversation between um, all the, the, the interactions I had at SoccerX with people and, and Sportel, et cetera, as well as, as this week, uh, a lot of conversation around the, the Open Cup games. And Chris, you say you're tired from one day of World Cup qualifying, which was, I agree, intense. I, I've had a couple successive days of watching crazy action in the in the u.s open cup which is back for the first time in three years so that uh i i'm wiped out as we record this on friday but uh there's there's a, a general view now that mls uh has shot for the moon and missed the mark uh they are missing um as the athletic reports they, they are missing a, a key 
interest from English language partners in the League's Cup. They are also uh, seeing a situation where ESPN is interested in acquiring the Spanish rights for the League's Cup, right? They don't see the value necessarily on the English language side. We know ESPN has made, and this was along the lines of my conversations at, at Sport Talent Soccer X, Chris, um, ESPN has made a real effort to drive Spanish language dominant audiences to their ESPN Plus app. Um, that's part of the strategy behind uh, La Liga and some of the other properties that they've acquired. As kind of the Deportes linear side becomes less critical in their empire, they're trying to drive uh, Spanish language audiences to the ESPN Plus app and to streaming. And if MLS is not going to provide them that option with League's Cup, because I'm sure Univision, Telemundo, and, and every everyone else who broadcasts in Spanish is interested in that property, then maybe their general interest in acquiring the MLS package cools. Uh, we've also seen, I, not surprising to me, I thought Fox uh, was cooling on MLS. That seems to be confirmed by what The Athletic is reporting. CBS uh, has minimal interest, which sort of surprises me. Turner is interested, uh, but there are complications to Turner's interest. We're going to get a little bit into the to the HBO Max uh, discovery thing in a, in a few minutes, right, in the news section. But uh, that, that would certainly impact on this. Here is the bottom line, Chris, for me. We thought in Q4, or actually in Q3, we thought MLS was going to be able to settle on a partner as soon as the Premier League rights were decided. And we saw NBC hold the Premier League rights, but not without a fight. Turner came pretty strong, right? Put in a huge bid. Uh, at CBS, ESPN, Fox also had interest. Then you've got uh, Q1 rolls around and you think, okay, MLS just needs to settle this. What is the U.S. Soccer Federation going to do? Their package, you're going to have a hard time shopping their package because all the broadcasters will be interested in MLS. Does the U.S. Soccer Federation, who doesn't seem to outwardly have a plan for their broadcast rights, are they going to have to wait till MLS makes their decision? MLS uh, strikes a big deal. Well, no, actually, U.S. Soccer has made a deal with Turner now almost a month ago. <laughs> Right. As we record this and they're they're set up, they're set with Turner, HBO Max, uh, HBO Max slash slash Discovery Plus for the next eight years. They're good. And MLS still doesn't have a partner. And we're approaching the end of Q1. As we record this on Friday, we are less than a week from April. So uh, I'm I'm quite frankly alarmed by it and disappointed. I I think the other thing that um, I want to point out, which has not been talked about a lot and was in the athletic article, but was kind of an afterthought. But this is really serious from people I talk to. And I've talked to, I would say, uh, a half dozen people about this on background. MLS needs to be able to guarantee that they will, since they bought back the local rights, right, for the RSNs are no longer – as of now, and they might have a change of heart on this because of what's going on, but the RSNs are going to be out of MLS broadcast effective in 2023, right? This right, is regional, the, sport, regional sports, sports networks. Yes, so MLS is going to have to produce those games for whatever streaming partner they sell that package to or if it's part of a larger package. USL does this. USL has invested uh, in, in a production studio here, but not far from me in Fort Lauderdale. Uh, NWSL has done the same. You see USL actually this week launching a new venture, uh, which is going to be based in New York, a new media venture. MLS is going to have to make a similar investment. Every USL game they produce, right? They, 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 
they pay for now the teams are charged but they because they do it in in bulk because of the way they do it it actually saves mo- the teams money over if they produce the matches on their own but there is a unified consistent feel to every USL match that's on ESPN plus same thing this week with the US Open Cup every match the, the presentation was the same we can complain a little bit about the commentators but the presentation was the same it was produced uh, with a consistent level every production uh, was the same MLS is going to have to make a similar investment. Maybe they go to the same people uh, as USL has and NWSL has. But that is an expenditure, Chris, I don't think they thought about. And that is, um, if you're talking about a package that's going to get you what? What are we thinking now? In, 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 uh, we're, we're no longer thinking 350 uh, or 300 million a year. If it's going to get you 200 million a year, you're probably throwing 15 or 20 million ballpark figure back into that production. Given the size of MLS, given that I think the production levels would have to be higher than they are for USL or for the US Open Cup, uh, it's uh, it's something maybe they didn't think through very thoroughly, and that's another hang up because ESPN Plus. Let's say those those rights go to ESPN Plus, they are not going to pay for the production. HBO Max is not going to pay for the production. It's just like everything else. It's a studio produces it, and they air your your programs. The, the exception to this is Netflix, right? Because Netflix isn't tied to a major studio, so they've had to invest in their own stuff and, and create their own content. But uh, it's like anything else in uh, in sports and in arts and entertainment, and. Uh, uh, MLS is coming up short, so I'm I am very concerned, and I hope that uh, I hope for the best. But I, I'm I, I'm not surprised by the, the tact of the athletic article that kind of confirms what I've been hearing snippets of. Yeah, this feels like MLS has really screwed this up, Kartik. Because like, if you if you look back to the fall, I was very positive. I was thinking at that, that time that this is a good chance for MLS to really cash in and get a lot of uh, rights fees. So so currently, as of you mean from the two, 2015 to tw- uh, 2022, they're getting 60 million dollars a year for their rights. Uh, for example, the Premier League, under the current deal, the new deal that's going to start uh, next season, they're getting f- r- roughly about 450 to $465 million a year. A huge difference. So now with this deal, back in the fall, we were looking at ESPN+, Plus, we were looking at Paramount+, Plus, we were looking at HBO Max, Apple TV+, Plus, Fubo TV, uh, Discovery+, Plus. And probably a whole bunch of other streaming services that that uh, I'm forgetting to mention right here, that there would have been a lot of interest at that time. But then if you look back in 2021, uh, e- even preceding some of the deals you mentioned, Kartik, you had the La Liga deal. So ESPN plus ESPN putting in a ton of money to get La Liga. Uh NBC renewing its deal with the Premier League, putting a ton of money, extra money into getting that. And then you've got the, like you said, which is a big deal, U.S. soccer signing a deal with um, Warner Media, which is Turner Sports, uh, for the rights to the U.S. men's national team and U.S. women's national team starting next year. Now where we're at, Kartik, it's a mess because... If if the if the U.S. men's national team deal and women's national team deal was linked still with Major League Soccer, I think we'd be talking big money. We'd be talking, okay, how big is this deal? But because they've been delinked, the MLS deal, I, I don't know. I mean, I mean, so there's a lot of things to this, though, Kartik. If you go through the different on the English language side, so NBC has no interest at all. Uh, they used to have MLS coverage in the past. They did a really good job. 
But I think MLS really burnt their bridges with NBC at that time, asking for more money. And uh, NBC saying like, well, you mean the proof's in the pudding. The numbers are, are not what it is. And you're asking for too much. We're out. So and, and there's other things involved in that, too. But NBC's out. Uh, Fox, surprisingly to me, is not that interested in it. They still might come in and get uh, and bid and get some something. But like people like Rob Stone and Alexi Lalas and John Strong and Stu Holden are so in, intertwined with MLS. It's hard to imagine those guys not having MLS games to cover because they've been so much MLS fanboys, I mean, for lack of a better word, for, for years that it's hard to imagine Fox not being interested. But money-wise, business-wise, it doesn't make a lot of sense uh, if Fox is putting most of the money into the World Cup and these other big competitions. Uh, ESPN, I'm surprised. I'm surprised that they are interested, but perhaps maybe they see an opportunity, like you said, Kartik, in getting the, both the Spanish language and the English language and really kind of getting into that Spanish language market by having rights to MLS, which also would include the English language if they go for it. And then CBS, I mean, they've got a lot of coverage. I mean, they've got so much coverage already. Maybe they look at the numbers and go, I mean, it's not really the, the TV ratings. It's really not going to uh, generate a lot of new signups for Paramount+. Plus. So on the English language side, MLS is in a situation where instead of this new deal, which is what? Leagues Cup, you've got the MLS uh, uh, rights, you've got the local rights, you've got MLS Next Pro. You've got a whole bunch of stuff that they've thrown together into this big, huge package. Um Maybe they were, would have been better off, Kartik, of just keeping the things the same the way they were before, which would have been just, uh, you mean, national rights and then selling off the local rights and, and streaming rights. Because all the changes that they've made, I, I don't see any uh, – it, it doesn't seem to be that it's going to be generating – tons and tons more money and it does have issues such as the production side of things yeah the rsn's uh as a as an entity seem to be dying off which i think may have been part of this this thought process and, and they want to get ahead of the curve on on buying back their rights and putting it entirely on a streaming package but maybe this wasn't really well thought out uh here's the other thing i, I want to mention espn because they've cooled on mls in general and yeah it is sort of surprising they're still interested uh, given some of the things we had heard in the uh in the last couple of years about espn's dissatisfaction with with the ratings and the numbers and the consistency of ratings right they're one-off mls matches that have eye-popping numbers, and then it reverts back to to form uh, more consistently than, than not. Uh, but I think they have a lot of leverage in, in terms of the Spanish language rights. They could effectively tell MLS, we're walking away if we don't get a piece or all, all of the Spanish language side. Now, what does MLS do in that circumstance? I think they need to still carve out a national... Spanish language package for Univision or Telemundo, more more uh, uh, more uh, probably Univision given its ownership now that Televisa is is the majority owner, and for for DNA uh, purposes, and then also just for keeping political relationships as they are with the biggest broadcaster in Mexico. But uh, maybe they carve out forty matches or something from the package, give that to to, to Univision and to DNA, and the rest end up on streaming in Spanish. 
on ESPN Plus. I think that's one potential solution to this. And that keeps ESPN interested in the English language side as well. Uh, but it's a, it's a hard place to be because Fox uh, has been a really good partner for MLS, but they're, they're moving in a different direction. I think their acquisition of the Euros maybe. Uh, maybe surprisingly, maybe Fox didn't expect to acquire the Euros, but their acquisition of the Euros is now between Euros and World Cup, uh, assuming they keep Copa America, whether they do or not, maybe it doesn't matter now. They've got just about it. And Women's World Cup, they've got just about every summer covered for the foreseeable future, right? So... Um, MLS becomes less of a need for them. They have Major League Baseball, which runs along the same calendar as as, as Major League Soccer. They have uh, a growing presence in college football and college basketball, which uh, intersects with MLS at, at critical times. So, hey, Kartik, I, I I think personally, I think I think actually uh, MLS needs Fox more than Fox yeah, needs MLS. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree because right. Fox is more committed to the way they broadcast MLS than ESPN is. Right. Um, and in promoting it and being very preachy about MLS, whereas ESPN is covers MLS like they cover any other property, which is why I personally love ESPN so much, Chris. It's because they are they they may be the rights holders, but that doesn't mean they're in the tank for the property. Whereas I would argue some other broadcasters tend to be uh, more partial to kind of giving corporate propaganda for their for for the rights they hold. Well, the the other thing about this, though, too, Kartik, is that in terms of like MLS needing Fox more than Fox needs MLS is because you look back at the last, what, like basically five or seven years and you look at what Fox has done to help MLS. So they've had a lot of games over, over the air television and they've had a lot of games that have been double headers. So um, if you go back to the 2015 days, I think it was they would have games, an MLS game right after a FA Cup final that was on Fox. These days, it's been a lot of, you mean, under the current deal, would have been maybe a U.S. men's national team game or something else happening that they would have a doubleheader or it lead into an NFL broadcast. Or There's a lot of different things. So MLS not having Fox in this next deal means lower ratings because there's less um, over-the-air big games on, on a Saturday afternoon. Like You look at this season alone, the first couple of weeks of the season, you have uh, MLS games live in prime time on over-the-air television. And that's something that maybe an ABC couldn't provide. So you lose at Fox and you lose a huge amount in the TV rating side. And at the heart of it, though, Kartik, what's your take? What's at the heart of it? Why is there so little interest on the English language side for MLS. What is the reason? I think it's the cost. You're not seeing the return on investment. And again, okay, I, 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 Chris, it feels like every other podcast we do, I have to mention this because people come after our website and have come after this podcast uh, accusing us of being unfair to MLS and saying that uh, you, you, you're, give, you're, you're judging them by a false standard. No, we're actually, we want the pro- uh, product to succeed. I think it's critically important MLS do well uh, for U.S. soccer, although I think with some of the recent moves USL has made, uh, they, they may occupy some of that space. But Chris, the point remains, we are only judging MLS by what we understand based on multiple years of, of cultivating sources and reporting. They have promised to broadcast partners that they have currently and had promised broadcast partners that they had negotiated with, including NBC, since you mentioned NBC's MLS relationship, uh, in the past 
past. We are judging them by the numbers and the projected growth they internally talked about. And they are not there in 2022 where they promised they'd be in 2022 privately to Fox, ESPN, uh, to NBC when they were negotiating, uh, renegotiating in 2014 and NBC pulled out and that ended kind of acrimoniously. They are not there. Now, is that the fault of MLS? I don't know. Is it uh, all the excuses we get always from people? Oh, it's because of the time slots. Oh, it's because of the Euro snobs. Oh, it's because of this, that. Maybe all of that is true. Maybe it's correct. Maybe ESPN puts too much more into into promoting college sports and promoting uh, La Liga when when they got it than they do into MLS. Maybe it's maybe there is some grand conspiracy. But the bottom line remains: they are not at the level from in terms of television viewership and general intensity of interest. I think there are casually more MLS fans in this country than a lot of soccer people give them credit for. I think casually there are more MLS fans than Premier League fans. I know you and I disagree on that. Uh, but the Premier League will consistently get higher ratings because the, the intensity and commitment of the Premier League fan base is much higher in this country. MLS lacks that intensity and commitment, and they haven't met their own internal projections and, and, and goals for that. And the broadcasters know that you can't you can you can have one debate on Twitter where there are a lot of angry people who are MLS fans who think we're being unfair. But you can't you can't pull the wool over the eyes of big media companies who have been talked to for years uh, with certain goals and have done certain market research and have also other properties that are performing better. So that's the reason. I, and again, uh, like you, I am surprised ESPN is seems to be going to the wire and, may, and probably will retain the property. I thought they were going to opt out, too. Um because they, I know they're they're not that pleased with the numbers that they've seen, but that's why I think they have the leverage to go to uh, MLS and say, "Hey, give us at least a piece of the Spanish language rights, and then we're good for another seven years or whatever, however long the package is." Yeah, I, I think if the viewing numbers for Major League Soccer were that good, we wouldn't be having this conversation because the broadcasters would look at the numbers and go, "Okay, hey, there's a ton of people watching Major League Soccer." Um, but that's not the case. And, and, and for me personally, um, I've, it's a decent league. I've grown to uh, appreciate the league more and have watched more of the league in the last, say, five years. And it's a decent league. But the, the issue is competition. The issue is it's not the best soccer league. So when you look, if you had to rank it in terms of the best soccer leagues in the world, maybe it's number four five or six i mean roughly speaking in terms of quality that you're watching so if it's ranked number five or number six and then at the same time mls is competing against i mean college basketball nba against nfl college football uh the season doesn't do it any, any favors either so what you have is on a local product if you live in atlanta and you go to Atlanta United games, so you live in Seattle or Portland, and you go to those local games. It's a great night out. It's a great entertainment. But if you live Nash, if you live uh, in, in the United States of America, and you don't have a local team near you, um, what's the what's what's the benefit of tuning in to watch LA Galaxy against uh, I don't know NYCFC? What's the attraction? Is are there star players? Are there a lot of American stars playing in those games? Uh, is the quality of entertainment and excitement really high? And it's not really. I mean, it's okay. It's decent. But it's lacking the stars. Most of the major U.S. stars now are playing in Europe. And there's so many options and viewing options that we have to choose from. 
you mean in terms of leagues that are more accessible? Uh, th- this past week, Chris Moore on WolfSoccerTalk.com wrote a story about uh, which leagues are the most expensive to watch, and he took into consideration how much it would cost to get a streaming package and a cable or satellite package to to subscribe to watch these games. One of the most expensive, or actually the most expensive league to watch is Liga MX. Yes, some of the games are on over-the-air television, but a lot of the games, if you want to watch them, you have to get kind of a streaming package to get Tudor NA Extra and so on and so so forth. The second most expensive uh, league to watch is Major League Soccer. You need, you need to have ESPN uh, Plus, you need to have ESPN2, you need to have uh, Fox, you need to have Univision for some of the games, you might have to get Tudor NA, Tudor NA Extra. So having all these rights partners actually makes the the experience of being an MLS fan more expensive. And that's the thing, though, too. At the end of the day, at the heart of the matter, it's a decent league, but MLS shooting. I mean, they they can shoot. They can shoot for three hundred million dollars a year, but there's no way they're. I, I, I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna jump in here and say uh, there is someone who is a prominent uh, person in in soccer management in this country who's worked in MLS, who's worked in USL, who's worked in both those leagues, who told me privately the other day MLS should probably just cut ties with all these broadcasters and give Amazon some sort of deal, take the loss, get everything on Amazon Prime, and that. His view is that uh, then uh, use Amazon's new facility in Washington to hire talent in Northern Virginia and then kind of build build back from there. It was I, when he said it to me on the phone, I thought that's ridiculous. Uh, but then I realized, you know, it may make sense. Maybe this is given this reality, given that maybe MLS is never going to meet the expectations from a linear broadcaster. That they that that's been set out. Go completely streaming. Be on one consolidated streaming package. Um, make it an add-on, right? Like they were discussing. We've talked about with the Premier League potentially. Maybe you you pay sixty nine ninety nine a year to add on Amazon Prime for MLS or whatever the number would be, and it it makes it cheaper. Like I read Chris Moore's article. That was part of the the the, the context of the discussion. It would become cheaper, and you'd be on. Uh, you'd be in a window to the world if you're if you're linked with Amazon. So that was um, it, when th- th- this person said it to me. I thought it was ridiculous, and as he talked me through it, I thought, you know, maybe that's what they need. But I don't know that they would think outside the box like that, Chris. But it was a really interesting suggestion. Not just put carve out games like the Premier League has, and like the NFL has, and like uh, the PGA Tour did at one time with Amazon. Put the whole thing there and forget linear broadcasters. It would make things a lot easier in some ways, though. But 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 then you look at the numbers of people subscribing that would subscribe to that, and uh, I mean, look at the the viewing numbers for some of these games nationally. And it's you mean a hundred thousand people watching a game on on FS1, or if it's one hundred and fifty thousand, sometimes if you're lucky, two hundred to two hundred fifty thousand people watching the game. So it's not big numbers. And if you're Amazon. Uh, I guess it depends what the, the cost is to get those rights. But whoever, whoever is, whether it's Apple TV Plus or Fubo TV, I mean, those are the companies that have more the money, are probably more willing to spend, more will, willing to gamble. And maybe, maybe it'll happen, something and like that. And this person's premise was also partly predicated on the fact that he thinks it's not in the interest of 
of American soccer and the growth of American soccer for American soccer to be off of linear television completely. But he thinks in light of the fact that U.S. soccer did do a deal with Turner, yes, we know uh, every game will be on HBO Max or Discovery Plus, and it's only going to be a limited number of games on cable or maybe half the games on cable. There's still going to be half the games on cable. So he said, okay, we don't have this doomsday scenario where American soccer is completely off linear television and European soccer is still on your linear television. The U.S. national team, men's and women's national team will be on Turner, will be on TNT and TBS for the next eight years, even if it's only 10 or 12 matches a year. So we don't have to depend on MLS to keep us as American soccer on linear television. That was kind of an interesting perspective also, that maybe the U.S. deal gives MLS this leverage. Um, But I don't think they'll do it ultimately. I don't think they're even thinking that, uh, honestly. Yeah, on the Spanish language side, I'm definitely more buoyant on that side, more positive in terms of, especially the League's Cup angle, and uh, having access to watching a lot of these teams from Liga MX, probably beating up on on the MLS teams. And and that side of the, the fence... On the Spanish language side, I, I can imagine Univision, especially with their new app that they have coming out, uh, VIX Plus, which is going to be a streaming app, uh, as well as their over-the-air coverage. Uh, yes, I can see them getting involved big time on that. But then again, for MLS, like you said before earlier, Kartik, uh, what about the English component of that? And if you have an ESPN that's maybe offering less money than, than Univision, perhaps, uh, but also wants to get the English language and the Spanish language, you might, but you don't want to cut Univision out of the deal too. And Univision doesn't have an English language partner, so it, it's it's a tricky situation where MLS is at. And to me, this is reality slapping MLS in the face right now, because this is the re- reality of MLS in the market trying to sell their own media rights, um, and it's not combined with U.S. soccer. And in the past, it has been. And when it's been combined with U.S. soccer. It was uh, an easier pill to swallow. But now this is MLS on their own trying to sell the, the, their media rights. And, and what they've done, Kartik, it's kind of like buying a car. When you go to buy a car, you just want to buy the car. But what MLS has done in order to try to, try to uh, increase the amount of money, that uh, the value of these rights, uh, it's not just MLS, but you mean, you've got MLS games, MLS Next, Next Pro games, you've got local rights. A lot of it's a lot of media involved in in this deal, and it's like buying a car, and they're, they're throwing in like a all right free car wash. We'll give you oil changes. We'll give you tire rotation. We're throwing all these things in that you may not really need or want, but we're trying to give you that so that gives you kind of a greater perceived value of the amount of money that you're spending. It's it's it'll be interesting, Carty, to see what MLS does here if they do delay this this rights uh, bidding because uh, Don Garber said this deal will be done and announced by the end of Q1 2022. And like you said, we're uh, a, a week away from that. And I don't see this being resolved that quickly. So maybe they'll come up with a new plan or maybe they'll just delay it. But um, to me, if I'm, if I'm MLS, I'm hoping that Fubo TV cashes in or HBO Max uh, cash cashes in. But all these streaming services get into kind of a bidding war but it's a bidding war over a product that is decent, but is not going to give you massive ratings. So that really MLS has boxed themselves in. And I think in terms of them waiting until this period in time 
where they've delayed, they've made a mistake. They should have been trying to sell those rights last year uh, during kind of the, I mean, not waiting till every single other major soccer partner, soccer league or, or com- uh, confederation has sold their rights because I think right now they're in, they're in a tough spot. All right, Kartik, just one or, or actually two more things in the news uh, section here too. HBO Max who are interested in MLS rights, we know that, um, but they're merging with Discovery, uh, and Discovery has their own streaming service, which is Discovery Plus. Well, the news uh, this past week is that they will be bundled and then merged into a single app. Now, Discovery Plus content plus HBO Max content, and if it's a single app, whatever it would be called, would be a pretty, a, a very uh, strong streaming service in terms of all the, the content that they have. And at the same time, too, they're looking to have sports being available, too. So uh, MLS would be a good fit for that. But like you said, Kartik, too, in terms of the process of those companies merging and uh, kind of all finalizing all those details, uh, that may not happen till April. So maybe maybe then MLS says, you know, this, this, I mean, quietly, they say, okay, we've delayed it slightly and we're going to uh, hopefully announce a, a winner by the end of Q2. And maybe then that's more in line with uh, HBO Max and Discovery Plus, kind of that side of the fence where they can come in with, with a more uh, concrete offer. Yeah, and, and here's the advantage of that. Uh, we, we mentioned the U.S. deal has now been split, but the U.S. will be on HBO Max and, and presumably the, the merged app, right? HBO Max, Discovery Plus. It's already been announced, 20-plus U.S. men's and women's national team matches a year starting in 2023 for the next eight years on HBO Max. So then you have cross-promotional opportunities once again, like you have now, even though the packages are separate and maybe the money uh, isn't what either side would have wanted. Although I think the U.S. is happy with their deal from what I I can hear from the Federation. They believe they're going to negotiate a Spanish-language deal with Univision, uh, which is going to take them well above the number they were getting from some as part of the last deal. so uh, the combined Turner plus Udivision deals for U.S. soccer expected – expected, that's the key word, uh, based on my, my, my sourcing, uh, to be much higher than what they got from some on an annual basis as part of the previous deal. But the cross-promotional opportunities will be there, Chris, which I think is good for both MLS and U.S. soccer. That was the one positive, I think, of the, the sum bundle deal in the past. So this past week, Kartik uh, was at SoccerX and Sportel uh, America in Miami, uh, meeting with a lot of executives and sitting in on, on conferences and learning more about uh, kind of what's happening inside the business. Uh, myself, I was on vacation, like a much needed vacation. And while I was on vacation, on the way back, uh, I was hearing all this scuttlebutt. I was hearing about, hey, daylight savings time. It's been made per- permanent. It's happening. It- it's a done deal. Well, it's it's not a done deal, but can't it, yeah. Can you can you explain what's happening here and how this could impact uh, European soccer? Yeah, so there is a a push among, and it's been going on for many years. One of the leaders of it has been Marco Rubio, the Republican senator from here in Florida, to remove daylight savings time and keep uh, keep the U.S. on the natural clock. Now, what is the natural clock? It is the clock we are under now at this very moment on Friday. Well, 
okay. So we won't we won't be on the difference with Europe will not be the same when some of you guys listen to this podcast. Jeez, this is this is what makes it so awkward. <laughs> but it's the four hour difference with with the UK, basically in layman's terms, four other hour difference with the UK, five hour difference with Central European time, and uh, you know minus an hour with everyone else, and that would be for every time zone in the US. So Pacific time zone instead of being eight hours behind the UK would be seven uh, on a on a uh, permanent basis. So, or, or uh, d- during half the year, sorry, not on a permanent basis, but during half the year. So basically it would really impact uh, viewership. I think for European football, particularly for you, those of you on the West coast, you could get up an hour later uh, and for everybody on the East coast too. So from October, late October through late March, the U S would only be four hours behind the UK, five hours behind Germany, Italy, France, Spain. Which, if you're NBC, Kartik, or, or you're NBC is probably the, the one that's probably most interested in this. You're probably saying like, "Hey, make it happen," because you I mean having games kick off at say uh, eight thirty a.m. Eastern on a Saturday instead of a seven thirty, uh, and, and so on and yeah. so forth. Even midweek games like three forty-five Eastern instead of two forty-five Eastern, uh, it makes it more attractive uh, to broadcasters. Uh, of your uh, I tell you bit. what it's so much okay so because I and you have the same issue with kids in school Chris the Champions League has become I, I know I I've uh, denigrated the competition because it's a cup competition and I've said look I don't like cup competitions so much as I like leagues that is correct and I think cups are crapshoots but part of the problem is uh, drop off and pick up of, of school children right so I cannot watch the first 30 to 45 minutes of most Champions League matches or midweek Premier League Bundesliga fixtures, that Friday Bundesliga fixture, which is uh, always at the same time uh, because of the time difference in this country and when those kick off. That would actually eliminate that now for much of the year, right? It would kick off later. It was a great pleasure. Uh, we're, again, we're recording this on Friday. It was a great pleasure to be able to watch all the European qualifiers simultaneously without interruption between ESPN Plus and ESPN2 on linear uh, yesterday, the European playoffs, uh, kicking off all at the same time, and there was no school conflict. So I think that hour later for some of us, now maybe for others it's worse, right, because you're driving home from – from the office in that period, right? You could finish the matches now if it's on the Eastern time zone, 2.45 to 4.45 or so. Uh, But uh, I think in terms of the weekend, there's a huge advantage, right? Um, Particularly for NBC. I think they would be the most, they would benefit the most because it's the Premier League that really has those early kickoff times. Uh, And uh, Paramount Plus also with Serie A or whoever has the Serie A rights down the road because uh, Serie A has... On uh, has some very early kickoff times too. Serie A has staggered kickoffs throughout uh, both days, but they have some very. They don't have the 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 the, the collection of matches at one kickoff time like Germany and England does. Uh, the traditional three three in England and three thirty in in uh, Germany, but they uh, they have some very early kickoff times, which are difficult for U.S. viewers. So yeah, so Kartik, so I'm still catching up after being out, but so the Senate has passed it, but the House of Representatives will review it and then will consider it. Yes, correct, correct, and then the president okay. would have to have to sign it. I think this is going to happen at some point. There's more and more. Um, you even see it on social media, right, Chris? More and more people are talking about why do we change the clocks? It's stupid. Uh, and there's been also 
as the world has gotten more integrated, I mean, I always bash the United States for being very isolated and disfunded isolationism because of the oceans and U.S. always has to do things differently, which is true. But there are also people who say, why does the U.S. change its clock at a different time, both in the fall and the spring, than the rest of the world, right? Uh, why does the U.S. change their clocks three weeks before the rest of the world in the fall, uh, in the spring, and like several weeks after the rest of the world in the in the fall? It, it makes no uh, makes no sense. So there's been more and more conversation about this the last few years. I know people have some people mock it as trivial and say, "Oh, it's not a real world problem," but it kind of is because um, when when your when your economies are integrated with the rest of the world, it's become very very. Uh, it's become very um, inconvenient for a lot of business people and for people like us who are in this sport, which is a global sport. And then uh, also, quite frankly, uh, the, the daylight savings time uh, does not have the utility anymore in terms of uh, energy savings, etc. A lot of people would argue that it once did. So um, I think it's going to happen, whether it happens this year or it happens three or four years from now, it's going to happen. Yeah, I, I'm ready for like if that happens, Kartik. Then the next thing that should happen is uh, Mother's Day. Mother's Day should be on the same day uh, in the United it's States in, as it is as in, as the, in UK. the UK. Yeah, UK. It's the different days of the year by by several months. So, all right, let's move on to listener mailbag. First up is Daniel talking about the Premier League. He says, "Hi guys, uh, I have a question about the Premier League coverage. How much would you pay for Peacock?" If you were guaranteed they'd show every Premier League match with the cost of a subscription TV package, cable, uh, and and Peacock, the one thing the other leagues get right that Peacock doesn't is the ability to watch every game in the league via one service. All La Liga and Bundesliga games are on ESPN+. Plus. Same for Serie A and Champions League on Paramount+. Plus. Right now, Peacock is four ninety nine a month, but you're not guaranteed every match. How much would you pay if you knew that you'd get every match? I'd pay double the current price, maybe even more. It's a gamble week to week. Uh, where are you going to find the games? Just think how many uh, subscribers would sign up for Peacock if they knew they had that guarantee. I certainly would do it. Love your podcast. Keep up the great work. So, Daniel, I would first say that this is done on purpose. This is done on purpose that you can't get every single game on Peacock. It's not a um, coincidence uh that, that that this is so and uh they do it on purpose they want you to subscribe to a cable tv package or satellite package or a streaming package that has uh cable tv stations and peacock so they get to kind of double dip and get uh money from you on both sides but in a ideal world kartik in, in a dream world uh, maybe it'll happen someday how much would you pay if, if you had to subscribe for the whole entire season how much would you be willing to pay to get uh, every single premier league match uh, via peacock 119 dollars a year that's that was the number that has always popped into my mind uh, and i think that that's uh, that would increase um the profit margin for the peacock app but keep in mind comcast is a cable company so it's very different than the ownership of Viacom, CBS. They call themselves Paramount now. They've rebranded, but the but the CBS ownership, the ESPN ownership, the uh, ownership of of Turner, HBO. Those are although obviously Warner Media has a huge cable component also, but Comcast's primary business has been cable. So cable, uh, cable and internet. So it's uh, that that's really the reason. 
Yeah, 119. I, I, I was thinking in my mind before you mentioned that mine was $100. $100 a season, you know, every single game, I'm happy. And then you multiply that by, you know, I mean, the hundreds of thousands, if not, uh, you mean, low millions of people that would be interested in signing up for that uh, legally with really good quality stream, streaming. Greg goes on to say about uh, NBC, I'm also surprised by how half-assed the Peacock coverage has been. I wonder, but I wonder if it's not just about the front of the camera talent they have, but behind the camera resources, such as producers, cameras, uh, lighting, sound, editors, research, etc., Maybe they're stretched thin with the Olympics, Paralympics, golf, and are needing to cycle people with days off. Uh, Rebecca wasn't on recently. Uh, she's been working straight through the Olympics to the Premier League weekend after. Maybe it's all that they can do even a, uh, to get even a Peacock schedule on air. And, and Greg, yeah, it seems that way. It seems that way, definitely. It would be good if we, they actually kind of... Uh, were upfront about that and said like, hey, I mean, here's what's happening. Here's why we have um, kind of change to our way that we, we're covering games. We're still covering all the games. You still have access to all of them. But here's why uh, you're not seeing as many of the, the, the familiar faces or the high level of coverage that we've had in the past. Uh, and, and it's because of this, this and that. They've never really explained that. Uh, it would help the viewers, I think, as well as, uh, as, well as the media. In regards to MLS TV ratings, Dave says, I enjoyed your discussion of ESPN ratings as the Sunday evolved, uh, talking about uh, what the ratings were for ESPN in the morning with SportsCenter and going through the day and how there's the drop-off with MLS. And then right after MLS is over, then it picks up again. It is telling that there is a very significant drop when MLS starts and a very significant rise when it ends. Your idea about ESPN Plus or other streaming potentially being a better home for MLS makes sense. I suspect MLS games may tend to hold more local or regional appeal than national interest. In, in context, this goes back to what you were saying too about maybe uh, Amazon Prime if it, like, or streaming service just taking everything. In some ways, I mean, it, where MLS is at, it does make sense because you have you would have access to all the games. You wouldn't have to try to figure out how to jump through all these hoodles. Um, uh, and 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 you'd have everything rather than trying to have to subscribe to three or four different services on TV or, or streaming. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think that this is again why the person made the argument they made to me because I was talking to this person who does have knowledge of what's going on with MLS and the broadcast media uh, situation and 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 the rights. And he told me quite frankly he thinks this is a this is a solution. And he had read uh, the article on World Soccer Talk by Chris Moore, and that was why he was reaching out saying, "Look, you know MLS is more expensive now, and even if they kept some sort of status quo, eventually, as you have a world of conscious uh, cord cutters and your demographic tends to skew younger." You're going to have people who who miss out, and the current model hasn't worked to 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 grow the television footprint and the numbers as much as they have promised broadcasters, as we've talked about. So that was why he made the argument when he told me at first. I thought it was ridiculous, and as he talked me through it, I was like, you know, I don't think MLS will do this, but it might make sense. It might be the gamble. It might be the long ball they need to play to to to, to eke out a draw here. Well, that's the thing, though, too, Kartik, because you look at, say, the Premier League is just one example, and you look at, so they're getting, just from 
uh, NBC and Comcast alone starting next season, roughly about $460 million a year. But then you look at MLS with uh, what they're getting currently, which is uh, $60 million a year. $60 million a year, if, 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 if the revenue that MLS got was primarily from television, uh, now the Premier League, most of the revenue they get is from television. That's the number one driver of revenue for the Premier League. For MLS, it's not. But if MLS had to just depend solely on TV revenue in terms of uh, staying in business, they'd be out of business. And the reason that they're in the situation right now is because of the expansion fees they've been getting for all these new teams uh, being added to the, the different markets. And that's giving them large amounts of money to go ahead and reinvest in the league in terms of the players and, and, and the owners, etc. So this is imperative that MLS gets a major – because at some point – the expansion cities are going to run out and it's going to be, okay, look, we've got uh, teams in every major market in North America for MLS. And uh, yes, we have second division and third division, but I mean, really the first division, we're kind of maxed out. And at that point, they want to kind of cash in and get the TV revenue. Well, that cash in and get the TV revenue, that point is now and it's not happening uh, under the current deal and what they're expecting. So, Again, MLS has really boxed themselves in here with a really tough situation. It'll be interesting to see how they get out of this. David goes on to talk about MLS TV ratings. and He says, the only way you will see viewer numbers improve is if the U.S. men's national team players become the stars of the league. In no uncertain terms, uh, there are no superstar American players in Major League Soccer. And when MLS uh, teams choose to sell their best young American players... There is no star power to attract casual fans. The soccer is getting better, but still at English championship level. At some point, you should do a podcast talking about the five to six best players on each team. The casual fan has no connection to any of the players. Now, I'd say that if you're, again, if you're an LA Galaxy fan or LAFC fan and you go to the games week in, week out, you know those players intimately. Uh, But from a national perspective, if you're tuning in to an MLS game on any given weekend and you're a casual fan, you watch MLS now and again, but you're not watching every single game, you look at those players and you go, okay, I don't know these guys. I mean, I might know one or two of these players, but for the most part, these are players that are not at a high caliber level. So I think David's point uh, is is very, very um, precise there. Mercator says the MLS numbers are devastating. No excuse. The ESPN numbers throughout the day are enough for me to throw in the towel. And, I, I, and I'm a football fan. I'm a, I'm a soccer fan, not a Mickey Mouse executive. I think the real cause is the Premier League and the time zone. Premier League fans in the US are all generally non-Spanish speaking football fans, soccer fans, who would otherwise be watching the MLS. Most of the big US players play in Europe. The time zone is also not ideal. It puts MLS in direct competition with the big U.S. sports and with Premier League and other European leagues in the mornings. I just can't justify watching an MLS game where my city isn't involved. By the time they play, uh, they play in the evening or even later that night. I've seen two to three games in the morning usually, and by afternoon or evening, I have to to attend to the rest of my life. JP says, regarding MLS ratings, it's rather simple. The interest is more regional, local, instead of national. On top of that, that that local support is probably the fourth on the totem pole, or third or fifth, depending on the market, of interest in that particular region. 
Uh, I think JP is referring to other sports uh, teams in that town. So if it's you know, NFL, basketball, NHL, etc., regular season national broadcaster never going to be huge. Chris Guardino says, I wanted to let you guys know that Apple TV Plus gained the rights to stream Friday night uh, Major League B- Baseball games recently. With this in mind, do you see Apple TV Plus getting more involved in soccer in the future? I think, I think Kartik, for me, they, they, they're about six months too late. Uh, they could have gotten the Premier League rights if they were ready for it and, and committed to it. Uh, perhaps they could have, got, could have gotten La Liga, so maybe they can get MLS rights, but... I don't know. To me, I think that they hold off and wait for the next major deal and and then kind of uh, go in big then. Robert says, I'm sending you this email because you talked not long ago about how high MLS ticket prices were and my shock at checking out Charlotte's FC single game tickets. I was thinking about going to see the game against Miami and then maybe a game in the fall. Not much chance of that. Their cheapest price is $55 for not very good seats. For a seat where I would like to be, you were talking $120. Most of the good seats around $150 to $200. They go up to $500 and a high of $950. To compare, Seattle charges $33 for the cheapest seats uh, to uh, $122. There are some over $200, but for smaller stadiums like Austin FC, they run uh, from $37 to $728, with most around $150. I was surprised that New York Red Bull tickets ran in the $20 to $30 range for many of their seats, then up to $332 for the best. They must be working to attract bigger crowds. The upper decks in Charlotte and Seattle are only open after the lower 32000 to 38000 are sold, but I would rather watch a game on TV than trying to see uh, the game up there. Robert, uh, he says, uh, I, I, I'm sticking with the TV. And, and Kartik, that, that's something too. I mean, I, mean I, I know that you went to a couple of US Open games this week, but I mean, and, and COVID has, has happened, right? But I mean, in an average year, if you go back, say, like, say, I don't know, 10 years ago, how many games, I mean, some of these you would have been working, but 10 years ago, how many games on average were you watching in person in an average year, roughly? Uh, 40 or so. Wow. Yeah. And for me, it might have been, I don't know, like maybe like 12 or so. Like these days, it's been a long time since I've gone to a game in person. This was the I, first I, I, uh, competitive, actual competitive official match I've gone to since 2019. The the Open Cup ma- matches this weekend. This right. week. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it is one of those things that you look at the prices and you look at, like, say, six ninety nine for ESPN Plus and you get you know, all those leagues, right? And then you look at the price... Just, just for parking, a lot of these MLS clubs charge like $30 for parking. Um, and you look at the ticket prices for these teams, you go like, holy cow. Granted, I've gone to very few MLS games. And when I say 40, they were mostly MLS or USL or NPSL or uh, PDL matches, right? Uh, very few. I've gone to very, very few MLS games in the last uh, 20 years. And haven't been to one now in uh, – I haven't been to an MLS match since 2016 uh, at this point. Champions League. Uh, Martin in Colorado says uh, CBS's uh, Champions League studio coverage featured an all-female analysis segment recently, which was fine with no glaring errors nor, nor brilliant insights, so can't really fault it. My question is, was this a one-off for Women's Month this March or something they plan to use more often? 
And if that's not the case, why not an, an analysis group composed of all black experts for Black History Month in February? I'm all for trying new things and thought that was fine, but have to admit the actual female voice, um, not what they say, sometimes throws me on telecasts just because I grew up with all male sports voices. As always, great podcast guys. Gene says, in regards to the Champions League, he says, uh, Hey guys, just noticed some of the Champions League TV ratings on CBS throughout the week. Every game has had over 700,000 viewers, with two games over 800,000 viewers. These ratings were higher than Sunday NHL games on ABC, and pretty much in line with college basketball games that also aired weekdays on ESPN. What are your thoughts on the CBS ratings, and do you see more games other than the final being on CBS throughout the rest of the tournament? And, and Gene, I, I don't have it in front of me, but um, I know that CBS is planning on having a bunch more games from the Champions League for these uh, these knockout stages. Um, if you go to worldsoccertalk.com, uh, we will, you have the Champions League TV schedule there, which has all of the games listed that are going, going to be on CBS. And, and you can also get the Soccer TV Schedules app. Uh, through uh, Apple or uh, Android, and that has from from us, and that has all of the ratings too, uh, the actual listings too. On a different note, Chris says talks about uh, betting. Chris says a few nights ago while watching a NHL game on TNT, I noticed I noticed a commercial from DraftKings that was heavily promoting betting during the game called In Game Betting and their app. This is something that I have noticed more and more ever since sports betting was legalized in my state of Washington last year. These ads often appear before and during games to encourage people to bet on the game they are watching. With that in mind, do you think that uh, we will see more ads from DraftKings and other sports betting companies during Premier League or Champions League matches, especially in states where sports betting is legal? What do you think, Kartik? Um, it, it's... Uh... It, uh, it's thrown me even even uh, NBC's Premier League coverage, and I noticed it this week on what was it on La Liga coverage or, or something on ESPN. The, the 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 betting metrics that they've now integrated into the coverage really, I just am not accustomed to it. It's not something I'm, I'm I don't want to say I'm not comfortable with it, uh, but it's just something I I'm not interested in. Or and it in, in a kind of to me is a waste of waste of analysis, but. Um, I think you're going to see more ads from DraftKings and FanDuel and all these things in, in, in Premier League and Champions League matches. Yeah, for, for a lot of listeners who have listened to this podcast for a long time, you know that uh, myself personally, I, I'm, I don't watch many other sports. I watch soccer almost exclusively, uh, not because I'm a, a snob or anything, but just because, you mean, it's a game I've loved. There's so many games on that, you mean, I have no time to watch NFL or college football or basketball or any of the, these other sports. You've got. I've got so much soccer going on. I just don't have time. And and, and I love soccer. It, it's it's my life. Uh, it always has been. It's my passion. And I consider myself a massive soccer fan. However, now and again, I'll tune in. Like 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 yesterday when I was watching. Um, I think the Portugal Turkey game. Right after the game was over, they switched to I think Sports Center and then gave a couple of the headlines. What's happening? And then they started talking about just discussion about, I don't know, NBA or whatever it was, some American sports. I had it on in the background. But the discussion was not a discussion about players, transfers, you know, or whatever, you mean, injuries or whatever. It was all prefaced, all talking about betting. Well, this, 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 this one has a, you mean, all, all the odds and all that. 
And so it's now at this point in time kind of embedded so much into just even discussion and analysis that it is intertwined. And I think on a state-by-state basis, you will see – yeah, absolutely, uh, Chris. You will see betting companies um, advertising Premier League and Champions League matches, encouraging you to place bets in in the game. Like who's going to score the next goal? Who's going to uh, get yellow carded? Whatever it may be. Uh, It's here to stay. It's not going away. And as more and more st- states legalize it, it's going to happen. It's even gotten to the point, too. I think if I'm not sure if you've noticed, but Stu Holden now is the, the betting guy at uh, Fox Sports. So if you look at uh, Stu Holden's uh, kind of what, what he talks about on Twitter or some of the things he does for Fox, it's a lot of it's focused around betting. And the same thing happens with CBS Sports. Uh, CBS Sports has, oh gosh. Who is it, Kartik, on the soccer side now, where when he's on CBS Sports HQ every single time, it's all about betting. That's that's the only reason he's coming on the show is just. Oh, yeah. That was the other uh, thing that I was thinking of in terms of just betting being in my face with CBS Sports HQ. And I'm trying to I'm blanking out of who it is. But yeah, 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 yeah. Which is a familiar name and familiar face. But like you, Kartik, I'm tired (laughs) of all these World Cup qualifiers. My brain is not uh, flying on all cylinders but anyway but yeah it's here to stay it's going to happen more and more and and if you're in a state where it's legalized you will see it big time and if you're not in that state yet it, it's going to happen real soon last but not least raymond talks about liga max he says why doesn't the u.s media when they talk about the mexican national team imply one of the reasons why the national team is so weak is because of the constant american americanization of of their league i think the partnership with some helps the pockets of mexican soccer but not when it comes to player development would you agree and yeah yeah, yeah re- recording this on on Friday and then reflecting back on Mexico's performance against the United States and Azteca. What's happened to Mexico, Kartik? I think it's a multi-year thing. I mean, it, it's it's something uh, they were. I think Juan Carlos Osorio, uh, in spite of how things ended uh, f- with him, uh, they they punched a bit above their weight uh, in that period. I think Mexico has had a a real problem in terms of just their uh, their flair players and their ability to uh, turn superior possession into uh, in, 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 into goals in Concacaf. Now going back to the to the cycle for the 2014 World Cup, and they've actually had hiccups in qualifying in every cycle. Right, they had they had major hiccups in the 2010 cycle and had to had to had to make a couple of coaching changes during the course of that cycle to to end up. They finished second in the hex to, to the U.S., but had trouble getting out of the first qualifying group, and they had had trouble even prior to that, and and had cycled through coaches uh, and and had to make a change. Uh, Sven Joran Eriksson getting fired in the middle of the hex, and. Uh, I think it's just a long-term thing where Mexico has not been this this uh, this dominant power producing flair players and producing really high-end guys that can excel at top European clubs. They've done great in the Portuguese league and the Dutch league. Fantastic. I mean, Mexico has exported maybe more impact players to those leagues than just about any nation, but that that have excelled at elite level clubs in a long time since Rafa Marquez and uh, and a few others. Uh, think about it. Canada has guys 
playing arguably many guys playing in a, a, as elite, if not a more elite level than uh, than Mexico. Uh, Costa Rica has yep. had that. Uh, Costa Rica and Kaylor Navas has had maybe the standout player in this region the last ten years, and, and the U.S. now has elevated uh, where they're at, at better clubs. So, uh, and you even see how it went for Irving Lozano when he went to a bigger club, right? You know, th- there's been these sorts of uh, uh, hiccups for Mexican players. Um, Although at the same time they're good, they're like the U.S. used to be. Like you talk about the Mexican players on Betis, they've kept that club competitive, like the way American players used to keep Fulham very competitive. So there's still like a scrappy, uh, gritty side to them that means they will continue to qualify for major tournaments, but they're just not elite. I think part of it, though, too, Kartik, is you look at Azteca on Thursday night, and and yes, it was a reduced cap- capacity. Roughly, it was supposed to be about 50,000 in an 87,000 capacity stadium. And yes, there were issues with traffic and fans getting to the stadium late or or just not even getting into the stadium. But the atmosphere in that stadium was was blah. It was kind of just, just flat. And you look at... Mexico, when Mexico plays a, unless it's a World Cup qualifier at home, they play almost all their friendlies in the United States. So, you mean, I'm sure that has had, that's had an impact on the the Mexican passion uh, from their fans for their teams, for their players. You mean, it's so rare that uh, these Mexican national team fans get to see their own team in their own country, unless it's a World Cup qualifier where it has to be played at home. So I think in some ways that might might have an impact too where the Mexican national team fans in Mexico must feel a little bit disenfranchised uh, with their team and not feel the connection that they've had in previous decades. And and maybe that plays into it a little bit too where you have a flat noise uh, in the crowds. There's a lot of issues in terms of kind of... uh, you mean that the Mexican fans are being told? You mean they cannot say certain things, which which is correct that, that they shouldn't be doing that. But there's a lot of um, restrictions placed on them. On them, and it's not the wild and crazy Mexico uh, fans that we we've known in the past before too. In terms of like ma- packed stadiums, and yes, COVID has has a role in this too. But yeah, it, it, Raymond's comment about he thinks that uh, the partnership with some helps the pocket pockets of Mexican Mexican soccer, but. Uh, kind of hurts on the player development side. I, I I tend to agree with that too. It's really they've cashed in, but they've lost a lot too. At the same time, you look back at the Olympics, Kartik, the Olympics in London. Um, Mexico won it, right? They were yeah. they look great. They had a great team. So there's definitely a disconnect there, um, and it's certainly an issue. And there's no guarantee that Mexico will even qualify for this. That, World that, Cup. that used it, to be the case with the U.S. The U.S. used to do really well at the uh, youth national team level, and not as well at the senior national team level. Now the U.S. doesn't do particularly well at either level. Although it looks like maybe senior national team is elevating again, uh, and the youth national teams really haven't. So that's uh, actually I can understand that disconnect. Nigeria is the classic example of that. Like Mexico, Chris, they've won all kinds of. things. Things at the youth level. And even in Europe, we see until recently uh, uh, that there was it, it wasn't really an accurate predictor of of, uh, of what would what would happen in the future. But then we saw ger- the core of Germany's 2014 World Cup team uh, team won the 2009 
uh, Euro uh, under 21s. And then France, the core of their 2018 World Cup team, won a World Youth uh, or uh, U20 World Cup. So now you're beginning to see the correlation in Europe. And then England, obviously, right, wins the under 17 and under 20 World Cup in the same year. And that the core of that team is now uh, got to the Euro finals and, and to have a World Cup to look forward to. So looking ahead to this weekend, Kartik, uh, what's your game to watch? I, I'm really excited about the fact that WSL is going to have a game on NBC Linear. We, we're not sure the game yet, or at least I'm not sure the game yet. It might be tape delayed, but 1 p.m. Eastern on Sunday. Uh, but Chris, this is another example of a broadcaster after they lose the rights to a property. We know the WSL is moving to CBS next year. After they lose the rights to the property, beginning to showcase the property more. We saw it with ESPN with uh, um, ESPN with uh, uh, Serie A last year. We've seen it uh, in some, some other cases that I'm blanking out on. You could even argue Fox if they're not interested in MLS anymore, showcasing MLS early this season. This is another example of that, uh, uh, a broadcaster losing a property and then showcasing the property on linear, maybe taking advantage of whatever left they have from that property to make as much money in advertising uh, as they can. I, I mean, it was funny. It was the week after uh, the serial rights were lost by ESPN to CBS that, that suddenly ESPN put a game on ABC, announced they were putting a game on ABC. So this feels very similar, but I'm looking forward to this. Yeah, and, and I think a, a lot of that too is just timing as far as scheduling. They might schedule these games, or the broadcast windows out months in advance. And, uh, and and it just happens by coincidence where some of these games are on, on big TV, uh, even though after they've lost the rights. But my game to watch this weekend, um, really kind of a, a must win for the United States is US against Panama, Sunday, 7 p.m. Eastern on FS1, Unamas and Tudo NA. Uh, we've got uh, Kyle Fansler is going to be there um, reporting from the stadium. So we're going to get some good coverage out of him. But this is a big game. I mean, the U.S., uh, if they can get the win there, uh, will be should be sitting comfortably, uh, may even qualify depending on other results. Um, and even if they don't qualify on Sunday night, should put them in a really good spot to qualify on Wednesday and, and clinch that. But uh, it's a big game. <laughs> it's a big game. Um, and then... Listeners, if you've got something that you want to ask us, we'd love to read your comment out on air. You, you can always reach us via email through web at worldsoccertalk.com as well as facebook.com uh, slash worldsoccertalk and on Twitter at worldsoccertalk. Plus, of course, you can always post your comments on worldsoccertalk.com. Kartik, heading into a big weekend of World Cup qualifiers, women's football, uh, lower division soccer, and a whole lot more. Uh, what are you going to do and what should the listeners do? Enjoy your football. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.
Want truly hydrated skin? Medocia's Body Care Breakthrough Hyaluronic Body Serum. It's clinically proven to increase hydration by 161%. It's lightweight, fast-absorbing, and delivers 24 hours of hydration for silky smooth skin without any sticky afterfeel. Treat your skin to clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order with code SUMMER at OseaMalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A Malibu.com code SUMMER.